all know the story of Emma Thompson's character in Love Actually being cheated on. But do you know the real-life affair story that led to the collapse of her first marriage? Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Hello, Zara McDonald. Hello. It is the festive season and what is more festive than love, actually. Oh, my God. Guys, it's our favourite time of the year. It is December. The Christmas carols are playing in the supermarket. We're present shopping. We're all watching Love Actually and this scandal series could not be better timed. Yeah, I know. I mean... <laughs> we literally put it in the calendar in like January. Yeah, I was going to say, I love how you said it couldn't be better timed as if it just like sort of <laughs> happened to, to land here. Happenstance. And not something we had planned basically a year ago. Now, we're going to start today a little bit differently than the way we normally do. We're actually going to start right away by talking about Love Actually because many people around this time of year watch Love Actually and we wanted to start by talking about one of the most famous scenes in the movie. Oh my god. One of my I think it might be my favorite character arc. Also, before we get there, have we realized that this is the 20 year anniversary of the film coming out? Um, I want to <laughs> I wanted to say yes, but no. It came out in 2003. That is crazy. 20 years ago. How many times do you think you've watched this movie? Maybe almost one for every year. Yeah, I reckon some years I might have hit twice. Totally. Even. It's the go-to movie that I watched with my mom and my siblings apart from while you were sleeping with Sandra Bullock which I feel like people sleep on too much I've never seen that movie you would love <laughs> would that movie Isn't anyone it? who wants a change while you were sleeping is a banger Christmas film seriously yeah how and Sandra we... Bullock is a sensation she's so young in it and it's incredible I was gonna say how have we never spoken about this but I'm sure our listener is listening to this thinking you guys actually have spoken about this on the show before I do bring it up every I Christmas season but that's okay don't remember okay so there <laughs> There will be spoilers in this conversation right now for people who haven't seen Love Actually, but I can't I can't apologise for that. I'm just telling you straight away. Now, the scene that we want to talk about first and foremost is Emma Thompson's character, Karen. Karen? I didn't realise that was her name. Me either until I was doing this. In fact, I honestly think if I had been kidnapped and the kidnappers say, we will let you go if you just tell us the name of Emma Thompson's character in Love Actually, I wouldn't have got it. That is such a good question. Could I name any character? Well, do you know what her husband's name is? Um, Alan Rickman? (laughs) Harry. 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 Harry and Karen. I could only name Mr. Prime Minister and that's it. Yeah. I don't even know that name of that character. How funny for a film we've watched so many times. Anyway, so Karen, as I said, played by Emma Thompson, has just in this scene of the movie discovered that her husband, Harry, is having an affair. Now, of course, the way that she discovered this affair is now etched in folklore. She saw him purchase a necklace for Christmas. Wrapped by Mr Bean. Yes. She thought, of course, well, this is clearly for me. Yes. Uh, When she opened her present on Christmas Eve, it was a CD that he had bought her and she suddenly realised the necklace must have been for somebody else. The necklace was for the woman at Alan Rickman's work, although she didn't know that at this point. Yes, exactly. Now, in this scene when she realises that the necklace must have been for somebody else, she kind of goes to her bedroom, closes the door, puts the CD on and has like a very quick 
breakdown. She cries alone and then just as quickly she pulls herself together, she smooths the bedspread (laughs) and then she kind of meets her husband and her kids downstairs for their concert and every woman in the world. In the world. I think every mother. In the stratosphere. Every mother is like, oh my God, her strength to pull herself together. That is Her children's shitty Christmas concert. My mum always used to, the way she smooths the bedspread. <laughs> it's been one of those scenes that's sort of resonated with so many people. Yeah, I think the other thing about this scene and this story arc in Love Actually that hits so hard is that we never actually find out the true extent of this affair. Yeah. We don't know if it's just an emotional affair, a flirtation, a desire to strike up an affair, or like a fully-fledged physical thing. And I actually think that adds to the weight of it all and the iconic nature of it all. Because it means that every infidelity is chucked under this umbrella and every woman can relate to it, whether you've been on the on the other end of an emotional affair, a physical affair, both, a flirtation, whatever. But even my mother, who hasn't gone through that, is obsessed with this scene because she's like, that's the length a mother will go. It's motherhood. To protect their children from knowing they're sad or upset or stressed or whatever it might be. Protect like the sanctity of the family. Yes. The structure of the there family. There is something in it. Now, as per The Guardian, it is widely considered <laughs> one of Emma Thompson's best performances, which is quite funny because she's won Oscars for other things. But The Guardian wrote, and forgive me, this is a bit wordy, but I'll read it out. Richard Curtis's seasonal schmaltzfest is given real welly by Thompson's raw performance as the bereft wife of Alan Rickman's philandering husband. You've made the life I lead foolish. Oh. She sobs after the old necklace CD switcheroo. <laughs> Never has plush Waitrose-style domesticity been so moving. You've made the life I lead foolish. foolish. My mum, every time that line is delivered and she delivers it after the Christmas performance in that theatre, my mum sits there and is like, Wow. 100%. Hadley Freeman also wrote about this. Not one person in love actually behaves like a recognisable human being, except for Saint Emma Thompson, who provides the one good scene in the film. I mean, isn't this interesting that, to be honest, at the time when this film was released, it actually wasn't widely praised and now it's so iconic. Like, this film was critically panned. Yeah, a lot of critics thought it was a complete flop. For the record, though, it did receive some mixed reviews. Some people did think that it achieved what it set out to achieve. It also performed relatively well at the box office. It grossed $246 million around the world. That was off a reported budget of about $45 million. So pretty good commercially. Pretty good commercially. And I would say the real dollars did not come around the time of its theatrical release. This would have made so much more money than that $246 million on DVDs and then streaming services. Like, I would kill. Well, I wouldn't kill. I would love, though, to know (laughs) the box, like the total earnings of this movie. Yeah. Now, back to Emma for a second, though. You could say her performance in this moment was so strong because she used her real-life experience with infidelity as inspiration. In 2018, she confirmed that her experience of being cheated on by a partner was a motivation, her motivation for behind the scene. She said, that scene where my character is standing by the bed crying is so well known because it's something everybody has been through. I had my heart very badly broken by Ken. So I knew what it was like to find the necklace that wasn't meant for me. Well, it wasn't exactly that, but we've all been through it. It's a pretty candid quote. You might be wondering. Who the hell is Ken? Who is Ken? Let's rewind.
All right, Zara. So we are all the way back in 1959. That's when Emma Thompson was born in London to her parents, the Scottish stage actress Phyllida Law and British actor Eric Thompson. Yeah. Now, Emma's father was actually best known for his role as the creator and narrator of The Magic Roundabout, which was a British TV show, a a children's TV show, I should say, that ran from 1965 to 1977 on the BBC. So she's a nepo kid. Now, speaking to the BAFTAs, Emma reminds that she felt like her career in acting was an inevitability. She said, I was surrounded by creative people and I don't think it ever would have gone any other way, really. Mm, In 1977, so at the age of 18, she began studying English at Cambridge University, clever cookie, and that was after she achieved some of the highest grades in English literature in the country in her final year of high school. She used that really solid grasp of literature to write amateur comedy sketches alongside another writer named Martin Bergman. Now, it was Martin who invited her to join Footlights, which was Cambridge's extraordinarily prestigious sketch comedy troupe. As Emma recalled, Martin told the rest of the group, this girl's funny, she can do funny. <laughs> it's sort of a slight bit of like surprise <laughs> in a quote like that. Like, a girl oh, who's funny. Look, a woman who can laugh or make people laugh. She joined actually at the same time as Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry. Now, she was such a standout in the troupe that by her second year at Cambridge, she already had an agent in London for acting gigs. In fact, years later, Stephen Fry actually had this to say about working with Emma while they were at Cambridge. There was no doubt that Emma was going to go the distance. Our nickname for her was Emma Talented. That's the worst thing ever. For a bunch of geniuses at Cambridge, the um, nickname Emma Talented yeah. lacks a little bit of inspiration. <laughs> it sort of doesn't pack, pack a punch at all. Now, fun fact, Emma Thompson and Hugh Laurie briefly dated around this time as well. House. Yeah. Years later, he remembered it fondly. He said, those were blissful days, I must say. Life was all about fun back then. Watching Emma was like watching the sun or wind or some other <laughs> elemental force. Her talent even then was inescapable. Interesting. When Emma was about 19, her father actually suffered a devastating stroke, which left him unable to speak. She and her younger sister, Sophie, actually helped Eric relearn how to speak using flashcards. Emma Thompson once told The New Yorker, I felt a tremendous amount of anxiety at that time. My sister and I were not allowed to have rows or misbehave. We were not allowed to be angry. Apparently, her sister Sophie retreated into acting and art making while Emma read literally all the time. She really immersed herself in books. Yeah. Sadly, Eric passed away after a heart attack at the age of 52. So really young. Emma was only around 23 at the time and said years later, losing him tore the family to pieces. Dad's always been a very close, very important part of our lives. She also noted that after Eric's death, it was up to the remaining family members, so herself, her sister and their mother, to support themselves because he had no money that he left behind. Now, in 1982, so this was the same year that her father passed away, Emma starred in a live stage version of the British sketch comedy show Not the Nine O'Clock News. Now, this was quickly followed by a number of TV roles alongside Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie. Yeah, throughout the mid-80s, she took on a number of different projects. Most of them were comedic, but she did also have a chance to flex her skills as a dramatic actress as well. After a critically acclaimed stint in the West End musical Me and My Girl, and then a comedy special Emma Thompson up for grabs for Channel 4, 
And then 26-year-old Emma was only just getting started. Let's start with her professional life because between Fortunes of War and another TV show called Tutti Fruity that Emma was a part of, she was suddenly a household name in Britain. She won two BAFTA awards for both shows that year and as per The New Yorker, she was Britain's golden girl, shortlisted among the women of the year and one of the first sightings in British entertainment of a new kind of woman. Thinking, sparky, unapologetic, secure in herself and her desires. I would love to be described that way. Thinking, sparky, unapologetic, secure in herself. Totally agree. Still feels like a backhanded compliment to every other woman in the public eye. Yes. Apologies <laughs> to all the other yeah, women. Like not, she's, it's, it's genuinely giving not like the other girls. Yeah. That is a wonderful point. Personally, Fortunes of War changed Emma's life too. As you said, Zara, she starred opposite the leading man and then 27-year-old Kenneth Branagh. Almost immediately, Emma and Ken fell in love. So that brings us to the question we told you we'd answer. Who the hell is Ken? Yeah, born in 1960 in Belfast, Kenneth Branagh and his family moved from Ireland to England when he was just nine years old to actually escape the war that was raging in Northern Ireland at the time. Now, while Emma became a well-known actress in Britain quite quickly, Kenneth's star rose faster than pretty much any other celeb at the time. Take this quote from The New Yorker. At 21, Kenneth was a hit in the West End. At 23, he was the youngest actor ever to play Henry V with the Royal Shakespeare Company, drawing comparisons to Laurence Olivier. At 26, he co-founded the star-studded Renaissance Theatre Company with David Parfitt. At 28, he published his autobiography. Wow. So he was hugely respected and pretty highbrow in terms of British acting. Yeah, well, even mentioning the Royal Shakespeare Company is reminding me of the series we did on Ray Fiennes. Yeah, that one totally episode true. we did on Ray Fiennes' Many Affairs. Now, according to Emma Thompson, she quickly fell for Kenneth after he tried to amuse her between takes on the set of Fortunes of War. Apparently, he would sing in a really silly voice. She told The New Yorker, I burst into tears because he sounded exactly like my father singing on the magic roundabout. Yeah, by all accounts, their relationship was tumultuous and passionate. Speaking about what she loved about Ken years later, Emma said, He was incandescent with ambition and performance energy, but like two mating lobsters, we clashed claws. For his part, Ken was always extremely tight-lipped about their relationship. He only spoke about Emma when the topic was like a project they'd both been working on, and even then he barely said anything. He did share one very brief insight with the New York Times around this time, though, where he said, Thank Christ we're in the same business, so I have a friend. M is a great soul and she can talk me out of my despair pretty well. Interesting. Their relationship wasn't the smoothest, though. In fact, there are reports and quotes from decades after their split that hint towards Emma struggling quite a bit with the relationship even before they got married. The director, Humphrey Barclay, told The New Yorker years later, the Ken stuff put her through the ringer. She had a three-hour cry on my shoulder about what a brute Ken was. And then six weeks later, she said, and we're getting married, isn't it lovely? Haven't we all been there? Oh my God, where friend. your friend, yeah, we have all been there. Yeah. We absolutely have been it's very there. very relatable. It's, it's very hard to watch on from the wings as you think they might be making a mistake because guys, in August 1989, 
Emma and Kenneth got married in a small ceremony in Cliveden, which according to the Telegraph cost around £30,000. As a married couple, they continued to maintain that extreme sense of privacy. In fact, they were never once interviewed together. Yeah, one thing that's really interesting to note here is though Emma Thompson was beloved in her own right, Kenneth Branagh's star power was bigger, which just surprises me now, obviously. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Just knowing how mammoth the star power of Emma Thompson is. And Kenneth Branagh, I only know from Harry Potter, the second yeah. movie. Like Kenneth like, Branagh, it takes me a second to picture him, whereas Emma Thompson, I'm like, I'm there, I'm I, with you, I love this woman. Yeah, like all I think about is the floppy arm with Kenneth <laughs> Branagh. <laughs> that is the only thing I think of. Now, because his star power at this point was much bigger than hers, the media had a bit of, I guess, fun with their relationship, and they often implied that she was riding on his coattails a bit, especially when they started starring in the same pictures together. A good example of this, I think, occurred on the British puppet-based comedy show (laughs) Spitting Image. Now, the show depicted Emma as a puppet calling out to Ken, where are you, darling? Now, Kenneth, the puppet, replied, I'm in the kitchen, to which Emma's puppet said, oh, can I be in it too? Mm. Now, this in some way was true. They did work a lot together throughout their marriage. In fact, Kenneth only agreed to direct the film Dead Again in 1991 if he could co-star in it alongside his wife. That was Emma's first Hollywood film. Dead Again was widely praised and it marked an exciting entrance onto the Hollywood scene for Emma. The Washington Post even thought she shined a little brighter than her husband. They wrote, Branagh, whom audiences last saw in the guise of Henry V, is charmingly faded as the goatee-sporting, hand-kissing Roman, but as Mike, he's all wrong. Perky as a cricket. Thompson slips from era to era far more graciously. Yeah, by 1992, she was starring in one of the biggest roles of her career, playing the lead role in a period romance called Howard's End. I was kind of looking into this film as we were writing this script and it looks quite good. I'm quite into a period romance, so I kind of want to watch it. Now, in that film, Emma starred alongside Anthony Hopkins and a then 26-year-old by the name of Helena Bonham Carter. Mm. Helena, for what it's worth, was in the early years of her career. She was gaining a reputation for her work as a period actress in the UK, but she was still several years away from that career-defining work we know that she did with Tim Burton in Hollywood. So in the UK at this point, she was a rising star and Emma and Helena played sisters in the film. Yes, this was Emma's most critically acclaimed performance yet. The film itself received a whopping nine nominations at the 1992 Academy Awards. One of those nominations was a Best Actress nomination for Emma Thompson. She won that Oscar and her career had never looked better. Yeah, but things were slowly about to capitulate in her personal life and we're going to get to that after the break. All right, Mish, so we now need to skip ahead a few years and take the listeners to 1995. At this point in the timeline, Emma was 35 years old, Kenneth was 34, they'd been married six years. 
Kenneth, at this point in his career, was keeping himself very busy directing and starring in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Yeah, and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein was a massive, colossal undertaking. This was a movie with a budget of $45 million and it was intended to be a Hollywood box office hit. In it, Kenneth was starring alongside Robert De Niro and a familiar face, Helena Bonham Carter, who was playing his wife in the film. Yeah, so he's off doing Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Emma, for what it's worth at this point in her career, is actually off writing and starring in Sense and Sensibility, which would go on to become one of her biggest projects ever. And in that distance, it became clear that their marriage was falling apart. And by October 1995, they were officially announcing that they were divorcing. Yeah, they cited conflicting schedules at the time. Here's how their joint statement read. Our work has inevitably led to our spending long periods of time away from each other. And as a result, we have drifted apart. Naturally, Zara, this was big, big news. Oh, it was huge. Now, the UK tabloids were extremely interested in getting the inside info on this one. So not only were they speculating about what went wrong, they were also staking out Emma's house at the time too, which Mm. feels like something randomly that wouldn't happen today. But I also wonder if this is a UK thing, that you can stake out someone's house in London. It's much harder to do it in LA. I agree. I think it feels very British somehow. Here's how The Independent reported this at the time. Miss Thompson, 35, always said marriage was a huge risk, but the self-confessed optimist hoped that her union with fellow actor and director Kenneth Branagh, 34, one of the most successful partnerships in the history of British film and theatre, would run and run. As she stood dishevelled before an army of photographers at her West London home, she played tired and emotional for real. Yeah, the piece went on. Asked to repeat an earlier statement on the end of the six-year run, Miss Thompson managed... I think it said due to the pressures of work before trailing off. She said she could not string a sentence together. Friends claimed that the marriage had been over for months and blamed the pressure of work. Branner had joked that he had to make an appointment to see her and that she went to bed with her Oscar. Yikes. If that's true that he was joking about that at his wife's expense, that reads as two things. It reads as jealousy. And it reads as contempt for your wife. I agree. I know that we will often say, oh, it's hard when you're reading a quote because it strips it of its context and its tone. Telling people that she goes to bed with her Oscar. In what way could that be perceived any differently? I'm trying to work it out. And I think as you can tell by this passage, the tabloids were definitely speculating about what went wrong. And one of the more interesting theories from the press was about the changing dynamic in their careers. Mm. How is this from People magazine? Emma Thompson's star has arguably outshone Branners. Thompson won the Best Actress Oscar in 1992 for Howard's End and earned two nominations the next year. Branners' recent efforts, on the other hand, include directing and starring in 1994's $45 million flop, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Yikes. So Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, as you just said, ended up being a bit of a flop. The original screenwriter called it this a shocking disappointment, a misshapen monster born of Kenneth Branagh's runaway ego. What a quote. That is brutal. So once it had been that Kenneth's star had eclipsed Emma's, but now it was the other way around. The tale as old as time, Michelle Andrews. The People article continued. Another source of tension may have been Thompson's desire to start a family. Two years ago, she told an interviewer, I can hear my biological clock ticking away. Weeks later, she said, Ken is so tired doing so many jobs. I should think all his sperms are on crutches. As their careers drove them further apart, 
depart, Thompson stopped talking clocks. I'm not feeling any pressure, she said in 1994. In the end, the marriage ran out of time. I think all of this may have been right, right, about Mm. the changing dynamic between their star power. I wouldn't be surprised if that had a huge impact. But one key player the press were missing in all of this, in the downfall of the marriage, was Helena Bonham Carter and their bustling affair. Oh, my God. As far as we can tell, Kenneth Branagh has never spoken publicly about he and Helena Bonham Carter's affair all those years ago. What we do know is there were rumours in some tabloids at the time that Kenneth and Helena had struck up a romance on the set of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, especially due to the fact that they were publicly out as a couple very quickly after his divorce from Emma Thompson. What's like really fascinating about this scandal and like going back and trying to put together, you know, this episode is there never seemed to be some big expose about Helena and Ken getting together. At the time, we knew that Emma and Ken had split. Ken and Helena were together almost immediately after. They had met while filming a movie while he was married to Emma Thompson. It was like, I guess the only thing I can consider is it must have been like this big universal assumption that, of course, that's just what happened. And I think the only reason we know for sure that the affair took place is because of what Emma has said in the decade since. Yeah, but we have to stick to the timeline because she wasn't talking to the media about this affair just yet. In fact, in the aftermath of her marriage breakdown, she really turned herself to work. She turned her attention to finishing Sense and Sensibility, which she was starring in and had written the screenplay for. Years later, Emma revealed what it was like to finish that script whilst also grieving her marriage. As per The Telegraph, miserable, depressed, she would crawl to the computer in, it said, the same dirty dressing gown every day to complete the screenplay for Ang Lee's film Sense and Sensibility. Oh, years later, she would share more about this process for The New Yorker. Off screen, while Sense and Sensibility was shot, Thompson had to exert steely control over her own pain. Her marriage to Branner had collapsed, but they had not gone public with the news. Branner had started a relationship with one of the stars of his film, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Helena Bonham Carter. Thompson was humiliated in part by her own stupidity. She said, I was utterly, utterly blind to the fact that he had relationships with other women on set. What I learned was how easy it is to be blinded by your own desire to deceive yourself. Thompson compared her emotional mess to shattered dishes. I was half alive. Any sense of being a lovable or worthy person had gone completely, she said. I know we paused on it there, but other no. women on, on set. set. Is that her saying, yes, Helena, but also You're not you're not just the other woman. You're one of many. I yeah. I think you're bang on. I think it's a message to Helena Bottom Carter more than it is to anyone else. Yeah, but this this was a quote from years and years later. So it's like, it's not like, I mean, spoiler alert, Helena and Ken were together at this point. But still, I just find this fascinating. I also find it fascinating, and I know we're probably going to say this a little bit towards the end of this episode, how candid she is about how he hurt her. Yes. She's not bullshitting. She's She is not willing to play the stoic woman for the sake of protecting anyone like she wants the world to know what he did what he did to her and the depths of her despair 
She did a few interviews over the intervening years, and it wasn't like she only blamed Ken. For instance, there was this passage in a piece with The Guardian. It is a domineering nature that Emma has recently owned up to in an interview and even cited as a cause of the breakdown of her marriage to Kenneth Branagh. I'm a bit bossy, she said, and I have to say some people find it quite difficult to deal with. Mentioning no names, but my first husband. <laughs> I love I love that she's so candid about everything. Now, the thing is, all this grief was actually leading to better things. Firstly, Emma actually won an Oscar for the Sense and Sensibility screenplay and was the first person to win Oscars for both acting and writing. Girl Sense, boss. A Sense and Sensibility was like this undeniable hit. As per The Guardian, this is an exceptional screenplay, crisply and skillfully done. Thompson plays fast and loose with Austin. The final result of all that work is an appealing half parody of a style, catering to a 20th century audience, but not assuming its members have been lobotomized. Just keep in mind that this stuff was written a while ago. <laughs> and a story that keeps its force as a study of class and money and character, but aims mostly for sheer pleasure and to be funny. It's pretty mm. high praise. Yeah, the film was made on a budget of about 16 million and yet went on to make 135 million at the box office. As for her personal life, things were going pretty well there too. Emma had starred alongside an actor in that film named Greg Wise. Greg Wise was 29 and cast as John Willoughby in Sense and Sensibility. After meeting him on set in the wake of her marriage breakdown, they began dating. Yes, but it actually wasn't like it was love at first sight though. Apparently, it wasn't Emma that he first had his eye on no. on set. In fact, he was first set up with Kate Winslet, who was playing his love interest on the film. Now, the story goes that he was told by a quote-unquote witchy friend that he was going to meet his future partner on that film. So he was just looking around being like, which, which one? one? Which one of you am I going to end up with? Which one is she? According to Emma herself, Greg Wise took Kate Winslet on a date to Glastonbury and it went really badly. <laughs> and Kate then pointed out to Greg that Emma's marriage was actually over and since the pair had great chemistry, maybe they should date instead. <laughs> As per The New Yorker, the person who picked up the pieces and put them back together after the divorce was the actor Greg Wise. Full of beans and looking gorgeous, ruffled our feathers a bit, Thompson noted of Wise in her production diary. Oh, now it turns out, as for Kenneth and Helena Bonham Carter, they weren't meant to be. In 1999, they broke up and she released a statement, I am very sad to confirm that Kenneth Branner and I are no longer together. The decision was mutual and no one else was involved. Michelle's favourite kind. Because it always indicates that someone was definitely Your involved. favourite statement. Beyond that, I have no further comment to make and I hope the press will respect our privacy. Of course, Helena went on to have an incredibly successful career in Hollywood. She collaborated very often with her new partner, the director, Tim Burton. I swear I had nightmares growing up about Tim Burton and oh, it's the characters just a bit that Helena played. When speaking about her relationship with Tim compared to Ken it actually became clear that the two men felt quite differently about working mm. with her. She said, me and Ken were very different from me and Tim. You know, Ken avoided directing me once we were together because it can be complicated and I think he didn't want 
Anyway, that's all blood under the bridge. Mm, Helena, for what it's worth, said very little about the affair itself. She did defend herself against rumours that she had a habit of homewrecking a few years later, though. Now, this quote that I'm about to read out was in response to a more general question about her relationship with Kenneth and then her relationship with director Tim Burton. She said, It gets frustrating because I know the story and the truth of it. It is very hurtful and, frankly, some of the things I've been called are quite libelous, but it's part of the price of being in the public eye. It goes without saying, Helena Bonham Carter's name was pulled into a couple of headlines about overlapping timelines, cheating rumours over the years. Yeah. Earlier this year, she told The Guardian, I've got so many issues, but as you get older, you say whatever. The curse of being young is you take your complex too seriously or you take your opinion of yourself too seriously. As soon as you're a bit older, you tell the demons to shut up because they're boring. She is one of the most intrigued. I know we, we haven't really spoken much about Helena Bonham Carter in this. But I have listened to a couple of interviews with her on different podcasts and she is a fascinating woman. Well, it doesn't feel like her and Emma Thompson are very similar. No. And so it is interesting that Kenneth Branagh sort of went from Emma to Helena. Like it's sort of, in many ways, maybe I prefer that. If my partner left me, would you rather them go for someone completely different to who you are? No, I don't think I would. I would. Because... I think that would make me really self-conscious that, like, I'm not any of the things he wants anymore. Well, in fairness, any person that I he don't goes for be cheated would, on. would make you feel like that. But I think if they went for someone quite similar to you, you'd be like, oh, so... She's the better version of me. Yeah. You're, you're making a great point. I don't know. Now, to, I don't want it to happen full stop. To her credit, Emma Thompson has actually never said a bad word publicly about Helena Bonham Carter. As per The Telegraph in 2013, they wrote, Now, when questioned about Helena Bonham Carter, she can even joke about it. Asked whether the situation had been tricky because the two actresses seem quite similar. Oh, my God. What the hell? <laughs> Like, I oh, was... we've just been exposed. Do they seem quite similar? Know. Am I crazy? I can't believe I just said that and then went on to read this quote. Anyway, <laughs> Emma replied, oh, we are. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Someone delete the last minute <laughs> of the got, podcast. We, we act- must push on. We have to keep it there to be held accountable. <laughs> oh, but we are being slightly mad and a bit fashion challenged. Perhaps that's why Ken loved us both. She is a wonderful woman, Helena. It's all blood under the bridge. Just note them both using that same saying. Blood under the bridge. You can't hold on to anything like that. It's pointless. I haven't got the energy for it. Helena and I made our peace years ago. So they're twins. They're so alike they may as well be twins. I feel like an idiot. We are idiots. Anyway, as for Kenneth Branagh, his career certainly recovered from the flop that was Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. He has starred in multiple critically acclaimed films over the years that go well beyond Harry Potter and his floppy arms, (laughs) including Dunkirk, Tenet, and winning the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay for the semi-autobiographical script for Belfast two years ago. So um, we don't profess to be movie buffs here no. and floppy arms is what I think of. I think, <laughs> I, think a lot of- I said I couldn't picture him earlier. Yeah. I needed like a second to remember who he is. Yeah, it's so funny. Now, after his breakup with Elena, Kenneth married an art director called Lindsay Brunnock in 2003. And as for Emma, well, she also remarried. She married Greg Wise oh. in 2003. And from all reports, they are still together today. They have two kids together. And I think this would have been a perfect bow, right? It would have been super easy to say, okay, so we had this massive tragedy that she's spoken about where Kenneth left her and she didn't want that to happen. And then 
in the wake of all that, she met this guy who she married. And Fairy tale love story, guys. Happily ever after. But she doesn't talk about love like that. No, we couldn't. We couldn't tell you guys that story as much as we wanted to. Because then we found these quotes and we thought, we must tell the listeners the truth. Yeah. The truth is more complicated than Emma Thompson fell in love and lived happily ever after. In fact, Emma's quotes about marriage and love in the last five to ten years are, dare I say, a little concerning when it comes to what her marriage might be like. For example, she had this back and forth with the vulture writer David Marquis. Do you want to play David or Emma in this conversation back and forth? I'll play David and play Emma. Okay. Okay. Emma, your character in the Children Act is in a marriage where the couple's love evolves in a way that isn't usually shown in film. Did portraying that make you think about your own view of love and how it's changed? Oh, absolutely, David. <laughs> sorry, I, sorry, I actually should be That's add- embellishment. I'm, I'm adding some flair. <laughs> sorry, let me go back Stick to the Stick to the script. <laughs> I don't know why. Okay, sorry. Absolutely. <laughs> what we see in the film is the relationship between my character and Stanley Tucci's character crumbling, and then a new one starts to grow, which is what happens in all long-term relationships, or if it doesn't, someone's in denial. Hmm. You think a crumbling happens in every long-term relationship, Emma? No. <laughs> Not necessarily crumbling, but if the relationship hasn't changed for long periods of time, then the people in it are probably serving a facsimile of what the relationship used to be. People change and life changes and you can't have the same relationship as when you first met. When people say our relationship has been bliss, I just go, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Sorry, I'm not David anymore. I'm back to being Michelle. We're back to being ourselves. Yeah. Okay. So then earlier this year, Emma Thompson did an interview with Radio Times where she said, it's philosophically helpful and uplifting to remember that romantic love is a myth and quite dangerous. We really do have to take it with a massive pinch of salt to think sensibly about love and the way it can grow is essential. She went on. Long-term relationships are hugely difficult and complicated. If anyone thinks that happily ever after has a place in our lives, forget it. <laughs> so, so she... Am I just young and dumb? Saying I'm... romantic love is a myth, dare I say, I don't want to break some huge news on Shameless, if you're saying romantic love is a myth, you're not married. I think she might be secretly separated. Yeah, I'm so confused. Romantic, you don't say romantic love is a myth if you're in love with your husband. I don't know. Or if you're in love with your husband, but you're happy to talk about the relationship being one of pragmatism rather than one of magic. But is that love? Pragmatic I love? Don't, no, but I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. I'm getting married in a couple of months <laughs> and I'm obviously going into it thinking. Happily ever after. A little bit. Like, come on. Obviously, it's not easy. Long-term relationships aren't designed to be easy. No, and I, I don't think that will be the case with me and my husband, but I do think it has been pretty blissful. Yeah, I would look at my – like, I reckon – I should have texted my parents about this. They're still together. They've been married, I don't know, 35 years. They're so in love. I reckon they would say it's been hard because life's been hard, but the relationship hasn't been hard and the relationship's been bliss. Their dynamic is blissful. I look at Trish and David and I'm like, give Mitch and I a slice of that. But that's why I'm like, I think people would disagree with this. Some people. Yeah. I don't think it's for everyone. I think some people would agree, but some people would disagree. I think even mediocre marriages, people in those would not say romantic love is a myth. That is like a pretty bold (laughs) statement to say it's a myth. Or is this someone that was just hurt so badly by her first marriage that she's actually still never recovered? Dare I say, these quotes at least give the impression it's someone who was hurt really badly by her first marriage went into her second marriage wanting the love story fairy tale 
and then maybe in some way has felt let down by that too, leading her to believe that love is a myth. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I want to bring it back to what we said at the top, though. I want to read out that quote again that she said about Love Actually, because this is what it's all about, really. This, oh, yeah, Love Actually. Yep. The reason that we wanted to tell this story was because of Love Actually. As we read at the top of this episode, she did say, that scene where my character is standing by the bed crying is so well known because it's something everyone has been through. I had my heart very badly broken by Ken, so I knew what it was like to find the necklace that wasn't meant for me. Well, it wasn't exactly that, but we've all been through it. I'd love to know how she found out about the affair between Helena Bonham Carter and her husband. I think what I struggled with with this story is how, even though she's been quite candid with her quotes about how much he hurt her and how, yes, this definitely happened... I wish we had more of a play-by-play. Yeah, we're, we're not getting many timeline details. We're getting a lot of feelings. Yeah, and I found that really hard in putting this story together. Yeah. And I know Eilish did as well, where it's like, but at what point did this explode? Yeah, and we'll, we'll never probably know. We'll never know. We'll just know that Emma Thompson doesn't believe in romantic love. She does not. Her career, though, has been deeply impressive. Alongside her work in Love Actually, she's obviously given so many memorable performances, One of those was in the Harry Potter film series. Zara, what I couldn't do this scandal series without mentioning is the fact that all three key players in this episode starred in the Harry Potter movies. Kenneth Branagh played floppy-armed Professor Gilderoy (laughs) Lockhart. his arms weren't floppy. He made Harry's arms floppy, didn't he? I don't know. I don't know. Someone's arm was floppy. I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan. Guys, I actually haven't watched that in like 20 years. He, He was Professor Gilderoy Lockhart. Emma Thompson played Professor Sybil Trelawney. And, of course, Helena Bonham Carter played Bellatrix Lestrange. They didn't overlap altogether in one film. It wasn't like all three of them were in one film. But Helena and Emma did. And I would just love to have maybe a cup of tea with them both. I, I think they probably get along quite well. Same. Be like, hey, remember that little affair thing? Yeah. In an interview with Vulture in 2018, Emma reflected on reaching her 60s. She said, it feels extremely fortunate to be my age. My dad died at 52. My uncle was 51. My sister-in-law a couple of years ago at 51. I've got quite a number of friends who have dropped off. You can't take survival for granted. What else do I feel? The work I'm doing is more fulfilling and happy making than ever. I think your 60s, if if you are well, are the most fantastic decade. No more periods resolved. <laughs> Menopause over. Hooray. Kids grown up. Bye. Marriage. If you've managed that long, 20 or more years, you're fine. <laughs> when you get older, it's much easier to hold on to that appreciation <laughs> because you're more mortal. I want to enjoy every minute and use the wisdom that I've accrued whilst acknowledging my fallibility and the continuance of all sorts of foolishness. It's so enjoyable to be alive in this state. Emma Thompson, it's been so enjoyable to learn more about your life. I think she is with Greg wise for sure i just think she's a deeply pragmatic woman Mm. i just love her i I don't have to be married i don't think i'd love to be married to this kind of energy no but i love observing a woman in her 60s just i just love also i think it's so hopeful for when people older than me say the best is yet to come oh my god i love it yes i love that so bring on 60 baby i know and so uh that brings us to the end of this scandal (laughs) the love actually themed scandal perfect for this time of year I think it's time to watch, uh, what was it? The movie you said, both Love Actually and... While You Were Sleeping. While You Were Sleeping. You and I, this is never going to happen, can have a movie night where we watch both. I'm telling you guys, while you were sleeping, you're sleeping on it. You're sleeping on it and you shouldn't be. A big thank you as always to our researcher, Eilish Gilligan, for researching this one. And our audio producer, Annabelle Lee, we will be back in your ears on Thursday for our final episode of the year. Oh, my God. Our final... 
Thursday episode for the year. You know, scandals never stop. <laughs> wow. Dare I say, the year's flown. Yay! Bye! Bye! Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.